Hello, and welcome to the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. We're ready to dive into the deep end of running a creative business, the joys, the sorrows, and the shit no one wants to talk about. I'm your host, Kristen Sweeting, a traveling wedding photographer and coach for creative business owners who scaled two businesses while single parenting, so I know it doesn't always go as planned. Hold on to your seats as we explore what wholeness looks like within your creative journey and how growth doesn't always come in the ways we expect. Well, hey, and welcome back to the Dangerous Creatives Podcast. I am here with Jen Madigan Creative today, and we are going to have a conversation about money mindset. This might be our favorite thing to talk about, and we see it come up with all of our clients. We talk about it with our friends. We talk about it on a team. We talk about it in our businesses and have both experienced pretty extreme mindset plateaus or money mindset blocks in a bunch of different ways through both of our careers and kind of in different ways. So I'm excited for us to have this conversation because I think we both experience something similar, but in different ways that ultimately comes back to like us not trusting ourselves with our money. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to chat about this. And before we got started, we were talking about, you know, societally, women have not always had a lot of control over their own money. And I want to just share a quote. This is from Rachel Rogers book. We shall all be millionaires. And it says before 1974, women couldn't do things like start their own businesses, access higher education, or make large purchases like a car with the approval and cosign of a man. So that was only 50 years ago, around 50 years ago. Right. So our grandparents, this may be true for our grandmothers. Like they couldn't maybe get a credit card or a loan or make a purchase that they really needed unless they had a husband. That really wasn't so long ago. And I think it's very ingrained in the way that I think I was raised and and the way society has made women feel about money. So Totally. And that's not to say that men don't have money mindset struggles too, but there's also a lot of reasons in our society that women, especially we're like, we don't trust ourselves with money. It's because it wasn't that long ago that we were told we shouldn't be trusted with money. You know, (laughs) it's crazy. That was only 50 years ago. I know. And yeah. And obviously men are not exempt from money struggles and mindset issues, but as to women, this is our unique experience, right? (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited to talk about it. Okay. So tell me about your money mindset journey. What did your business look like a few years ago, your relationship with money? How has it changed? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh gosh. As an adult, my money mindset's been all over the place, but you know, a few years ago I moved to a new state and my business that I'd had for a significant amount of time elsewhere looked a lot different. And financially it was very impactful on me. Income dropped significantly. My expenses went up. And I was deeply in debt. And then during the pandemic, I started a secondary business, which allows me to work remotely. And my income increased pretty rapidly, which, you know, I felt a little like whiplash. Like I'm still catching up to the money story that exists for me now, which looks very, very, very different from even three years ago, which is no debt, steady income, all of the things that I did not have three years ago. So it's, it's been a wild ride, we'll say. (laughs) 
And we're going to talk about both of those today because I think a lot of times when we think about money mindset, it's ourselves in a place of needing more and we're having a hard time getting more. But we both have also experienced the other side of getting more and struggling to be okay with that. Would you agree? Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird because you think it's like that's going to solve all your problems. And then all of a sudden, you're like, why am I freaking out about this? Why is this so uncomfortable to be in this place now? So I think yeah. money mindset hits us on both ends of the self-trust spectrum. Yeah. You think, oh, once I'm out of debt, I'm going to feel better. Once I'm making more money, I'm going to feel better. And you do, but it brings up other things. <laughs> fear, scarcity, fear of abundance, almost lots of feelings. <laughs> Yeah, this is like a side conversation too, but it's interesting when we are coaching people and I've, I've felt this in my own life too, is most people are scared of failure, but the more surprising thing is we're scared of success. Like we're scared of the responsibility that that would bring. We're scared of if we can handle it, we're scared of if we get it, then what if we lose it, you know? And I think the same goes for money is we're kind of scared of it. A lot of people, it's like we get it and then we don't really know what to do with it. And there's not a lot of open conversations. Like, I don't know what my neighbor makes and how they invest it once they make it. You know, like we are not a society that's very open about our finances. And I think that that hurts us too, because I'm like, I have no idea if I'm doing this right. You know, especially a couple of years ago, I'm like, am I doing this right? What am I supposed to do with this now that I have it? What if I lose it? You know, all of those things. Isn't it so interesting that we all have to deal with money? All of us, whether you have it, whether you don't, money is part of our world, but we don't really learn about practical ways to use it in school. Our parents, a lot of times, I mean, I have no idea what my parents make or made at all. It's like not polite to ask. It's not polite to talk about it. I feel so grateful to have these conversations with other creatives and people that I've met through coaching programs, because it is so important to have these discussions because you don't know what you don't know. Yeah, totally. I really love this podcast and this program to be magnetic. It's about neural manifestation and they refer to people as expanders. If you're trying to manifest something or you're trying to grow into something Having someone that's done it and is open, you know, sharing about it, or you're like, if they can do it, I can do it. Like having those people in your life is so important. And so I think like having open mentors who are like, let's talk about money. Here's what I did. Here's what I regret doing. Here's what really was helpful. That kind of thing is like so expansive for us instead of being like, oh, you know, so-and-so yeah. makes so much money. Look how fancy they are. <laughs> One thing that I love that, you know, we've done in the programs that we run is anatomy of like a launch. Like what does a $400,000 launch look like? I did it for someone who asked when I hit my first five figure month, what did that look like? Where did the, that income come from? And did like a little graph. And it was so interesting, you know, because you say, you could say like, I made $10,000 this month, but like how much of that did you pay yourself? Where did that come from? How much did you invest back into your business? How much of that was taxes? Like even just talking about the transparency of that as a business owner is so helpful 
to see that you can do it too, number one, but also like it might look different than you, what you thought it was. It's not like you have $10,000 in cash under your mattress, you know? Yeah. And comes with different responsibilities or different pressures that maybe you don't expect. I always tell people in our coaching programs too, I'm like, be prepared to freak out when you do achieve this goal Yeah, and like talk to someone about it. Because if you don't know that that's coming, sometimes it's a huge shock to the system. And if you don't have people to talk to about it, then you're like, there's something wrong with me. I should be really happy right now. Why am I like panicking? I just hit yeah. this goal. I should be so happy. And then you freak out and try to give it all away or spend it all. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we need to both talk about what we do. What's your money story? What's my money story? I think mine is that I'm a bad person if I make money. I think that's my, my deep, my deep belief that I need to work on untangling of like either maybe I did something wrong or somehow, you know, I don't deserve this. It's like a, it's a self-worth and it, and that's not just with money. That's really anytime something good happens in my life, there's a story that comes up. That's like, you don't actually deserve this. And, you know, people use the term self-sabotage, which I kind of have a philosophical problem with because there's reasons that we're doing that. Self-sabotage makes it sound like this is all you, like shame, shame, shame. And to me, like the reasons I do that are trauma, past experiences, social conditioning, you know, like, and there's personal responsibility there too. But I just want to say that of like, when we focus too much on I'm self-sabotaging, it gets very shamey very quickly, which is kind of the opposite of what we want to be doing anyways. And there's lots of external factors that play into why that's happening. So yeah, mine is like, I don't deserve this. I'm a bad person. I'm not worthy of this. I need to somehow prove that I'm good by what I do with this now that it's here, you know? So I'm pretty open about this with our clients too. I'm like, when I have a good launch, my instinct is to give a lot of it away. And that sounds like, oh, so noble, whatever. It's not really, it's my fear. It's my guilt. It's not being comfortable with the way that things have grown or holding the responsibility of that. Cause it does, when we're given more things, there's more responsibility. There's more taxes. There's more, like you have to learn more things about how to manage it, how to handle it, how to pay a bigger team. Like growth comes with responsibility and that can be really stressful too. So anyway, I'm, my thing is like, I need to somehow prove that I'm worthy of this by giving it away or self-sacrificing or being really responsible with this. Instead of kind of like looking at that story and being like, why do I think that? And how can I nurture and love myself so that I believe that I'm worthy of good things coming my way? Yeah. Do you think that that, that narrative that I don't deserve this, I'm a bad person. Do you think that that's rooted? You know, we talked about shame a little bit. Like, do you think it's rooted in shame? Like if there was a feeling you could attach to it, do you know what it would be? I think shame. I think, you know, some of my early memories of childhood, I was pretty anxious, like already wasn't sleeping and had anxiety very young. And I remember I was in a religious community. And so I remember like 
really clinging to the idea of sanctification, which if you didn't grow up in the church, it's kind of like you become better and better and better until you're like, as you know, close to God as you can be. Sanctification is like purifying your heart and your mind or whatever. I am not religious anymore. And even I don't think a lot of people believe that so much. I don't know. I'm not trying to speak for people, but I really clung to that idea of like, oh, I can just get better and better and better. And like, that's what I need to do. And so a lot of focus on perfectionism, performing, earning love, earning the things that I had kind of a thing, or just never feeling like worthy of it, you know? Yeah. Interesting. Cause you say you had to work for the things that you had. I'm curious how you feel like that translates to like your current life because you work really hard. I know. I know. That's the thing is like, I do work really hard. So why don't I feel like then I deserve it? So I I really think it's these things that get stuck in our system. I can't really logic my way out of it. And that's why I'm, I believe so much in therapy and like different spiritual practices. Cause I think there's stuff that it doesn't make sense. It just gets trapped in our body and like changes how we act. And when we're aware of them, then we have opportunity to kind of change what we're, what we're doing. That makes sense. I was just curious because from an outsider perspective, like, yeah, it's like, you can't really make logical sense of it, but it doesn't, when it's like a feeling inside of your body and it's like a story you've been telling yourself for 30 years where it's been told to you or both, it's, it's hard to even explain like how it makes sense. It just is the way it is to you. Yeah. I I feel like the other thing is the lack of expanders, kind of that term that that program uses is like, I didn't know people that made more than $150,000 a year, or if I did, they didn't tell me, you know? So like in my head, like the years of single parenting, the years of being really stressed about money, some of those more where finances weren't secure. The number I had was like 150,000 in my head. That was the goal. That was all I had dreamed to, you know? And so when, once I hit it, I was like, wow, fuck, you know, like what now? And I was 30 and I was like, this is the most anyone makes, you know, like, obviously I knew there are billionaires and stuff like that, but I'm like, no people with people with good jobs. This is what they make is 150 people don't make more than this. So like to start moving above that and running a multiple six figure business, I didn't have people who had showed me like, this is what you do with that. You know, this is how you think strategically about it and you wisely invest it. And, and then I, you know, I had an existential crisis and was like capitalism, blah, 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 you know? And so some of it is that too, is I had to kind of come to terms with, the fact that if we can critique capitalism, we still live in capitalism. Mm-hmm. I think for a while I was like, I can try to not be a capitalist in America. And it's just, it's not actually possible. So I had to kind of like come to terms with that too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Money is the ruler in this country, controls everything we do, which is unfortunate. But Yeah. And to be like, oh, I don't care about money. It's not actually possible in our society if you want to retire, if you want to be able to take care of your body and your health, you know, like in an ideal world, we're all taking care of each other. Mm -hmm. And that is like 
ultimately the vision that I think is beautiful and amazing. And I have to be like, but we don't live in that right now. So we have to kind of like hold both of those things at the same time. Yeah. What about you? What is your money story? Ooh. So I think if I had to like narrow it down to like a sentence is that I'm not responsible with money. I have a very early memory of my dad telling me that money burned a hole in my pocket. And it was probably the 20 bucks that he gave us at Target or something, you know? And it's true. I did not really understand the value of saving. I didn't really get like an allowance. It was one of those things where my dad, we'd like go to the mall and just randomly, he would be like, here's a hundred dollars, spend it whenever you want. And I like felt panicky. Like if I didn't spend that hundred dollars, he would take it away or I would lose it. And so I would buy things that I didn't even want really or need. And I think that carried through into adulthood, like getting a first credit card in college, which was so stupid, you know, things like that, where it's like, I didn't really understand. I mean, I had a job and things like that, but you know, once I was able to work in high school, but yeah, I think that narrative was pushed upon me and I believed it because I didn't have experience that showed me otherwise. And so it became like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like I believed that to be true about myself. So I made choices that sort of cemented it. Yeah. And I'm still working through a lot of that. I've very much swung to the opposite direction of now I'm like, I don't want to spend money, but the narrative is the same. I don't think I can be responsible with it. So I'm just going to put it away where I can't get to it very easily like I'm a child and I have to like put it in the cupboard above the fridge so I can't have my cookies or whatever. That's what it's like. Money that I cannot access easily. I cannot take out with a debit card or ATM. I have to like hide it away in order to keep it. And so I'm really (laughs) working through a lot of that, but I think most of it comes from like a shameful place or feeling stupid. Maybe like I'm not yeah, I'm not responsible. I'm not good with money. I don't know enough of what to do with it. And I'm 41 years old. (laughs) You know, I have a retirement account only because my, a former employer of mine, when I nannied, encouraged me to get one. I have a life insurance because my ex-husband thought it was a good idea. Like none of those decisions were necessarily mine. And I didn't know to have them unless someone would have said like, this is important. My parents didn't say it to me. Yeah. I had those things when I went through a divorce, most of them went away. And so then I was like, guess I got to rebuild them. But it was, you know, a Roth IRA, which, you know, you max out at 6,000 a year. And I was like, I guess I'll just do that, which doesn't get you very much of a retirement. If you're, if you're self-employed and no one else is contributing to your retirement, it's a slow go, you know? So I wish everyone had a lot more education around like, this is what it takes to retire in this country comfortably. And here's how you get there. Yeah. I think I am probably, I think I'm the only entrepreneur in my family. My mom's done like random things, but never, you know, to the extent that I do them. And so I think no one even knew to talk about it with me because they all have very traditional jobs with a 401k and my dad had a pension and I worked for the government for a long time. And so it was like, I don't think that they would have even had the thought to maybe help me through that, honestly. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm.
think for both of us, one of the things that I've found to help me is kind of getting empowered to learn about the thing that's scaring me. It's like, why do I feel like I can't trust myself with my money? If I put effort into learning more about it or hiring a financial planner who also educates me about it. Cause that's the other thing is I don't want to just hire people to manage my money and I don't understand it. You know, I want someone who can talk me through it so that I really understand what's happening. Like that is really empowering for me and has helped in the last few years of going from, I get money. And once I pay my bills, I just give it to other people. You know, it's taken me from that to, okay, I have a clear idea of where things should go, why I'm doing that, what feels responsible. And then we both do the profit first thing where I have like a 5% bonus account that I put money into. And so even giving myself permission to spend money is a kind thing too. Cause it's like, there's the bonus account that is you're spending money, go have fun. Just like having everything in envelopes like that really, really helps me. Yeah, definitely learning how to manage my money a little bit better, doing the profit first, knowing kind of what percentage needs to go into tax savings, what percentage is the owner's share, all of those different things help me feel more in control of my money. Investing is still really scary for me, really scary for me, but I need to just like jump in and find someone that, you know, can help me figure that out. But I think even just within the business, you have this amazing spreadsheet that you've shared with your coaching clients that really helps you kind of look at your numbers and project your income. And that's empowering to like kind of know where things are coming from. All information is good, but that is not always how I felt. (laughs) You know, I was like, I'm just going to hope I have enough money in here to cover everything and we'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's the old gen. (laughs) I do the same thing with different, different stuff. Like I think I told you, I, I just today looked at our podcast analytics and we've been doing this podcast for four years and it was because someone asked me to figure out what they were. And I'm like, why do we stick our heads in the sand and try not to look at our numbers? I know the answer for me, but what's the answer for you? Like, why do you not want to look at your numbers or your money? Oh, I think, and it's such an interesting question because the answer is, I think it stressed me out. I think I was scared there wouldn't be enough. I think I was scared of knowing that there wasn't enough, but at the same time, that knowledge would have probably alleviated a lot of stress because I could have planned better or made adjustments or sold something, you know, I could have avoided a lot of anxiety if I had just looked at it, but there was anxiety in the thought of looking at it. So it was like this weird I don't know why I do the things I do, but (laughs) a lot more normal than you think. Like I know so many people that don't want to look at their numbers. I've had that for a long time. I mean, what was it with my podcast? I think I thought if I looked at the numbers and was disappointed by the numbers, I would stop making podcasts. And it was like, it's better to be ignorant and not know and just blindly keep going instead of getting to a place inside myself first where I'm like, I'm not going to let that number say anything about me. This is just information. It's like, like people that play sports. If you don't watch back the games, you're not going to learn from them, you know? And if I don't watch my numbers, there's so much information I'm missing that 
gives me opportunities to take action, to make different decisions, make different choices, grow things in different ways. And some of my earlier coaches really helped me figure out how to have a list of what are all the things I'm capable of doing that make money. And so if I look at the numbers and I freak out, I now have all of these tools of I know how to go and make money and fill that gap. And that is such an empowering place to be. And I really, I want all people to have that skill, all women, especially when you're like, I don't have enough. You have a skill in your toolbox that you can go and make that money like right now. And I just think that that is the biggest gift to give people is to be able to like, I can, I can fix this right now. Another thing that I have found to be really helpful and just from a business standpoint is like within the spreadsheet or knowing your numbers and looking at where everything's coming from. It helps you out in more ways than just, I feel financially secure. It also gives you information of like where to put your energy, where to put your attention. If you're spending all this energy on something that makes you $300 a year, maybe shift that. And so it is empowering in so many more ways than just, I know how much money is in my retirement account. I know how much money I can spend this month. And I know this is how much I have saved for taxes. Like that is all amazing information and great, but it's like even more than that, it gives you a more of a guidebook to like reach goals that you have in your business and in your life. Totally. Well, also congrats on paying off all your debt. Thank you. It was a, something I thought I would never do. It was, you know, it's like one of those things you just chip away at. And I'm so grateful to a colleague of ours, Jillian Todd, who really helped me kind of get over this hurdle. For some reason, I always had this idea of like, if I want to pay off this credit card, that's $5,000, we'll say I have to have $5,000 saved and then just pay it all down. That doesn't even make sense. But that to me was like, what's the point of just adding an extra 50 bucks or whatever. But I was in a program she did. And one of the things that she wanted us to do was choose like a goal we could accomplish in six weeks. And I was like, well, I want to put an extra, you know, 50 to hundred, I think it was hundred dollars, hundred dollars a week towards this loan. So I can start paying it off faster. And after the six weeks, I continued it. And I was able to pay that loan off like three years early, which is insane. Just adding a little bit every week. I don't know why I didn't ever do that before, but once you start doing it and you see those numbers coming down and then you're like, okay, well, once this big one, I did the, where I paid off the biggest thing first, the highest payment, I could start applying that to the other ones. And it just, it felt so good. (laughs) It just felt so good. But for me, the motivation to just a little bit at a time, like how do you eat an elephant, you know, Mm -hmm. one bite at a time. That's what my debt was like. And it feels so good to be done. I mean, now I have a car loan. I bought a new car. So I do have that debt, but my credit card debt is gone. (laughs) Amazing. Well, I mean, that's a big mindset shift too, of this all or nothing kind of thing of like, I need to have this big chunk of money or I'm just going to be in debt forever and keep putting more on the credit card. You know, it's like, I think we as humans love the dramatic stories. We love the like, you know, whirlwind romance and fell in love at first sight. And we lost 50 pounds in one day or whatever, you know, and it's, 
that's just not really how it usually works. It's like those little intentional steps. The daily walk makes me healthier than a marathon training, you know, like it's the small things that don't feel dramatic and huge. That makes a difference. It's yeah. Consistency really is the key to anything in life. I think saving money, paying off debt, growing a business, like consistency, showing up, sticking to your promise of to yourself, whether it's walking a mile every day or adding another $50 to your credit card payment every week or month or whatever it is, like doing it consistently over time will get you to your goal. There isn't really a quick fix for a lot of the things that we think there are. Yeah. That just made me think about business. Cause again, people want to be like, I went from making $0 to six figures in, you know, a year or six months or whatever. And that can totally happen. We've had clients that that's happened for, I mean, your story is similar. I had some really big growth jumps in my business too. And that's not usually the way it happens. And it can also create a lot more problems on the back end that you don't expect. So let's talk about what happens when you do make a lot of money fast, where you jump ahead really quickly or something goes viral and you grow really fast. It's like a rubber band. Like things are meant to stretch slowly to change shape. And when you change shape really quickly, you stretch something really quickly, it can often snap back and you can lose all of the progress that you just made or have a mental breakdown or all of the above, you know, like what are some of those things that came up for you with some quick growth? How are the money mindset stories different now or, you know, challenges that you, you experienced from growth? Yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, with my photography business, that was like a slow growth, but with the virtual assisting side of my business, it was very quick. It was nothing. And then I was making six figures, I think within 18 months-ish and had a team. I mean, I, I couldn't keep up with the demand. It felt like I blinked and it was here. And so with that, you know, not only came with some major money mindset stuff that I needed to quickly figure out and I still am working on it, but that fear of it all going away because it appeared so quickly. And I felt like I was like chasing a runaway train a little bit. I think needing to hire a team before I probably felt ready to handle the growth, like the demand that was, that was a whole thing that I had to really work through. And then not only when you hire a team member and you're still playing catch up yourself to have to like figure out systems, I'm a systems minded person, but I'm still learning like, oh, that's something we definitely need to do on the onboarding process. Or now that I'm not doing everything myself, here's ways that we need to continue to grow or not. There's a point where I've said, I don't want to grow anymore. This is too scary. I want to go back to being just me. I don't want a team. I don't want to take on more clients. I just want to work with like two cool people, just make a little bit more money to like have consistent income and I can do photography and I don't need this much stuff. I don't need a team. I don't need this many clients. And so that kind of fear of like, this might go away. So I'll just pull back so that it's my decision. (laughs) Does that make sense? (laughs) Totally. I really, you know, I also think the everyone has to scale and build an empire that's not helpful sound bite either. Cause I actually don't think everyone wants to run a huge business. So I think when you grow slowly, you get to make decisions little by little as things feel good or don't feel good. When something grows really quickly, 
you're backpedaling, trying to learn all these skills, trying to figure out how to manage a team, how to be a boss, like that stuff that most of us didn't learn. With growth or with stepping into new roles is coming back to that practicing self-trust of learning the skills so that when something comes up, you're like, I trust myself to handle this in the best way I know how, and I'll continue like add skills so that I can, I can handle it. But practicing self-trust is so hard for me, especially when it's like a lifelong journey of not trusting myself. You know, I have to do it daily. I have to like do the walk. I have to do the gratitude journaling. I have to get myself in a really good place or it's not very pretty. Yeah. I'm curious how you feel because I think the coaching side of your business is very similar in growth to kind of my experience. Like it jumped really high, really quickly, a lot more people in your programs, a bigger team. Like how did that feel for you as far as, you know, in relation to this, the money stories that you have and what that's looked like? Yeah. I mean, it, it was cause I mean, my photography business has always pretty slowly grown. I've raised prices every year. I've been in business for 14 years now, 13, 14, something like that. But the coaching business felt overnight. It wasn't, you know, cause I'd been mentoring people for a long time, but jumped from something I did kind of as a side thing to all of a sudden bringing in multiple six figures and lots of clients and a team and all these things. And it was amazing. And I rose to the occasion, but also when you already are afraid that like, what if I'm a bad person? And then you have all these people you want to make sure you do a good job for It's a lot to kind of process. And I think building more gradually would have helped me with that. But also I think if experiencing that stretch has made me a better coach too, because I'm like, I can now relate to what that feels like and how to like know when you've kind of hit your limits and how to change things. So I, at this moment, I feel like I trust myself a whole lot. I've learned what I like, what I don't like. I've learned when it's not a good fit with a client and you know, you have to go through those things to learn those things. So I think that's the other thing. If you're like really inviting growth in right now, there are going to be challenges you face and that's part of what's going to get you to where you're going. Do you have anything that you recommend or that has worked well for you as far as like you know, you said you've done a lot of work on changing kind of that narrative and trusting yourself more and, and not feeling like a bad person. If you have a certain amount of money in your bank account, like, are there things that you do? I know you mentioned, like I go on walks and I try to do spiritual practices and things like that. Anything that you would recommend other people try to like help them as they're trying to change their money mindset? Yeah. Learning how to emotionally regulate yourself is so huge and will benefit so many different aspects of life. I've learned some of those skills from therapy. I've learned some of those skills from meditation, like being able to recognize when you are kind of like in this frantic place versus when you're in a grounded place is what I mean. So 
when you're operating out of a grounded place, the choices I make for my money are different than when I was like, I am constantly triggered and here, let me give you all my money. You know, like you can, you can recognize that I can recognize that easier. I try not to make decisions when I'm not regulated anymore. So that's a huge thing. And I mean, walking is really good for that. Having like daily routines and practices. I gratitude journal every day. That's really grounding for me. I try not to drink a ton of coffee. Y'all know I've stopped drinking. Like all of those things have really, really helped me to make decisions from a more grounded place. And then, I mean, I think finding people who act as expanders in your life, again, using that term from to be magnetic, but I mean, that's a pretty common manifestation thing too, of you being able to see and envision what you, what you want or what you're growing towards. And a lot of times that's in another person, you know, like I see it through what they're doing, finding women who run businesses who are farther ahead than me, finding people who know more about investing than I do, finding people with high paying jobs that have a plan for their money and their retirement. Like all of those things are so helpful. Finding people that, you know, if you're trying to raise your pricing, find people that charge more than you do. Um, Mm -hmm. It is so motivating, so helpful. And it's really hard to make big moves like that when you're only around people that charge less than you or just like expand, expand your group of people that are around you. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you mentioned that coming from a really frantic place versus a more grounded place. Cause I think we've all experienced that ourselves. If you know, you work as a creative money is not a steady flow. You might have off seasons, you might have months that are not as busy. And I think, especially people who are starting out as creatives, there's that up and down, which is why people tend to hold on to those full-time jobs for so long or like a nine to five job for so long. But the funny thing is, is that even though like, you know, we all do it, I know I've definitely done it. People can feel that, that like desperation, frenetic, frenetic sort of energy of like, I need money right now. Yeah, <laughs> You can tell, you can really tell. So it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I think for me, what has really helped make me feel more grounded is realizing what I need to feel safe and for me, that's having money and savings for me, that's having a side to my business or this new business, I guess not, it's like, they're very separate, but overlap a little, I guess that provides me a more steady paycheck. Like I need that security in order to not feel like I'm coming from that place of like crazed energy, desperation, panic, like knowing that my bills at the very base, I know what my bills are and I know how much minimum I need each month. Like that information is really grounding and helpful for me. I think it's so good that you brought that up of being like, this is something I need and I don't need to apologize for it. Like security is important to me. So I'm going to build that safety net into my business. And we love helping people do that, you know, because because there are people who are like, I'm great with having a 20K month and then a 0K month. Like, that's totally fine with me. And there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that are not okay with that. And that is, that is totally cool to just trust that that's like, this is me. I'm not going to fight against who I am and what I need. And I'm just going to make the adjustments. Yeah. Realizing that safety net thing was so huge. It makes me feel so much better and takes so much anxiety off my plate. And I'm an, like you, an anxious person, or you've mentioned in the past, you've been an anxious 
person, that's just my baseline. So if I can do anything to like mitigate that when it comes to finances, it makes me a better business owner, a better person in general. Cause I'm, I just am much more relaxed. So it gives you freedom in lots of ways when you can kind of adjust the way you think about money. And I know you mentioned the gratitude journaling, which I've done before, but for me, it's something that helps is like more like affirmations, which is again, something I learned from Jillian. And because I struggle with the mindset of I'm not responsible with money, I don't take good care of my money that I had to like flip that into like, I take care of my money and my money in turn, like takes care of me. So I don't know. Some people might find that helpful. I'm not good at like a everyday gratitude journal or practice like that. I'm really bad with routines in that way. But um, for a long time, I just had it as an alarm on my phone that would come up at like 1 p.m. because you can change the text and it would just say like, you take really good care of your money, things like that. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I love the mantras and I love it's like you are aware of you're telling yourself on this, on this repeat, I'm terrible with money and you get to stop that thought and change it to something different because when we change the way we're thinking, it then can change the actions that we're taking. And a person that's taking actions out of I'm terrible with money is very different than a person taking action out of, I take care of my money and my money takes care of me, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I do mantras as well. I mean, I'm, I don't maybe program them on my phone, but I'll put post-it notes, different places. And one of mine right now is, you know, I'm taking that, like, I have to prove something with the work I'm doing. So, I mean, someone who has to prove something is taking clients that aren't a good fit because they're trying to prove it to that client that they're a good person. They're, you know, they're taking things that aren't aligned and I'm changing mine. It's easy for me to make money. It flows when I'm excited and joyful and present. And it doesn't have to be something that I'm doing to prove myself. And so it's like when I'm in that place, then I can turn down clients that aren't a good fit. I can fire clients that aren't a good fit. I create space for myself to be grounded first and foremost. And then everything that flows from that is, is so much better because I'm more boundaried. I'm also boundaried and open, you know, whereas before it was like, let me prove to you that I can help you. If you're constantly anxious about money, you know, maybe finding a thing like gin that provides some recurring income would be a really kind move, you know, or um, finding ways to get more emotionally regulated so that you're like, first of all, I, I know that I am worthy of a really great business that supports my health and my energy and all of that. And so everything else comes from that place instead of the other way around. place you're in, whether you find yourself on one side of the spectrum or the other, we'd love to hear where you're at. Um, we can definitely relate to both. So always feel free to tag or mention us in stories, DM us on Instagram. I'm at Kristen Sweeting. Jen is at Jen Madigan Creative. And we would love to hear your story and maybe some of your money mindset stories too. So thanks for tuning in again for the Dangerous Creatives podcast. We are so thankful you're here. And if you think this episode would help someone, 
send it along to your friend. We would love to connect with them too. Have a great day. This episode was produced and edited by the lovely Jen Madigan Creative. Music for this episode was written and recorded by Jamie Lono and Shammy D. Thanks for being part of our Dangerous Creatives podcast community, and we'll see you again next time.